Welcome to Topple Uncaged. I'm Steve Topple and you're locked on to the UK's hottest politics and music podcast. Each week I bring you the rawest takes on the big stories making the news, always joined by a very special guest. Then I pleasure your mind, body and soul with the freshest, most banging international music going. What's up everyone, I am Steve Topple, it is Sunday the 9th of June, and that can only mean one thing, it's this week's edition of Topple Uncaged. Yes, we've had a lot of goodbyes to say this week, haven't we? Goodbye to six of the 11 Change UK MPs who have deserted the party after only forming four months ago to become independents again. Goodbye, goodbye. The delightful <clears throat> Anna Soubry is now leading the group, but of course the dissipation of the party suppresses any notion that somehow the UK wanted change in the form of Change UK. I mean, the latest polling is showing them at a massive 0%. With National Fish and Chips Day on Friday, it looks like Chuka Amuna and his crew have had their chips. We also said goodbye, in my opinion, to any notion that Corbyn's strategy in the face of a general election and over Brexit is incorrect by their huge, not in numbers but in significance, win in the Peterborough by-election. Yes, if you want more evidence that Corbyn is along the right lines and that his distractors are just being nasty for the sake of it, goodbye. Then the very fact that the party managed to sweep home to victory into the face of an outgoing MP who was done for perverting the course of justice, the ongoing smear campaign by half of the Labour Party, Deputy Leader Tom Watson not even tweeting support of Labour in the by-election until the day before it, and a continuous barrage of press insults, I think Labour managing to scrape victory in this by-election and increase their majority is something of a success story. So yes, goodbye once again to the notion that Corbyn is doing a shit job. We also said goodbye to Donald Trump leaving the UK after a state visit. May that straw-headed bigot never darken our doors again. And of course we also said goodbye to Theresa May, who officially resigned on Friday the 7th of June. Oddly enough, she's still going to be hanging around like a bad smell until the 22nd of July. And what should we have been saying goodbye to this week? Well, the first thing, in my opinion, would be rancid political hypocrisy. We had all the corporate warmongering leaders coming out for the D-Day celebrations, the rancid snivelling two-facedness of them all when they'd quite happily send troops to die in the four corners of the world and would quite happily bomb the Middle East and the Latin American countries into oblivion. Makes me physically sick. It's about time we said goodbye to this notion that our leaders somehow care for the general population and the populations of other countries. Their hypocrisy at celebrating D-Day is rank. I'd quite also like us to say goodbye to this notion that somehow America helped us in the Second World War out of peace, love and generosity. They didn't. It was all financially motivated, of course. Because as we saw after the end of the Second World War, it was when US imperialism really kicked off across the globe. Don't forget, the loan they gave us after the Second World War, we didn't pay off until 2006. And it was, of course, Senator Truman, later to become President Truman, who said in 1941 that if we see that Germany is winning the war, we ought to help Russia and that 
that if Russia is winning, we ought to help Germany, and in that way let them kill as many as possible. Soviets, he was of course talking about. The Americans didn't come into the Second World War at the kindness of their hearts. They did it out of their own corporate establishment greed. Meanwhile, as the song Goodbye by Cortland and Jeffries alludes to, it is of course the poorest people who suffer the most. It is of course about factory girls waving their husbands off in the First World War. Overall, we should be thinking of saying goodbye to war and welcoming in peace across the world. But with these corporate swine in power, that is not going to happen. Anyway, let's crack on with this week's show. Soaring above this week's top stories, I'm free-flying with... My guest on this week's Free Flying With section is from a campaign group I was very proud to have been involved in since its inception. It works around an issue which affects, well, if estimates are to be believed, and some of the estimates, in my opinion, are an underestimate, it affects millions of women in this country, specifically also young women. But this group aims to raise awareness of that, and also they do absolutely brilliant direct action in supporting women on the ground with this ongoing, in my opinion, scandal. I'm very pleased to have this person here because I've known she's an old, old, old acquaintance in terms of length of time, not in terms of age, of course. And I'm very pleased to have her on the podcast. It is Linda from the fantastic campaign group Period Power. Linda, thank you so much for coming on. It's it's lovely to finally speak to you as well, but it's great to have you on. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me to speak to your audience. Thank you, Steve. My absolute pleasure. So let's crack straight on. So you helped form the campaign group Period Power, um, which I which I wrote about a while ago now. Why did you start this um, campaign up? Because, I mean, we've, there's lots of reports in the press constantly about so-called period poverty in this country. A lot of people are very scathing about it. I could think of a certain Julia Hartley Brewer, who um, we won't get into her, but a lot of people dismiss this. But it is a real issue. As I said in the introduction, some estimates put it at 3 million women, possibly anything up to 8 million women are affected at some point in their lives by problems being able to buy sanitary products. So why did you, was this the reason you set up period power? Because it's is such a widespread issue? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it was actually, it's one of these issues that very few people were aware of up until about two years ago, myself included. It was about three years ago when I realised there was a problem uh, and I started to look into it and realised that the problem was far more widespread than initially I thought. Uh, I started to do a little bit of work on my own uh, but realised I needed the help of many other people because it was a massive problem. Uh, Then I approached four other women uh, all like-minded women, very strong, very forthright, and people who get things done. And we set up Period Power. That was eighteen, two years this September, so almost two years. We are now an official charity. We were registered as a charity uh, in January of 2019. Uh, and like you say, this problem is massive. It's not only women, it's schoolgirls. Uh, you mentioned figures um and we, we know that one in 10 on a national statistic uh, of young girls are missing school. Uh, that is a national statistic. So if you go into areas like Stoke-on-Trent, uh, city centres, parts of London, all city centres, basically, that statistic is going to be higher. That it's, I would say three in 10, four in 10 young girls losing time off school on a regular basis. 
I think, yeah, I think that's probably nearer the mark. I mean, we all know what the national statistics are sometimes unreliable. And as you quite importantly pointed out, it's going to be more localised where incidences of deprivation and poverty are higher. So, yeah, I, th- I think everything should be taken with a pinch of salt and we should always look at probably the overestimate. Now, what I love about what you do is, firstly, you're, <laughs> as you said yourself, very to the point, you don't mess around, um, but what you're doing on the ground is fantastic because you are literally getting in there, accumulating, Accumulating from donations, sanitary products, and getting them directly into schools where they're most needed. I mean, was was that your aim from the outset to firstly actually do something to help young women and girls who who are suffering from period poverty? Absolutely, yes. Um, when there's a problem, it's okay to talk about it. It's great to raise awareness, but we do have to act initially we have to act immediately there's no point in discussing things and becoming over analytical and uh having meetings after meetings it's my philosophy on life if there's a problem get it solved do something about it immediately and that's what we do we don't wait for reports to come back or academics to give us their research findings i'm not interested in that i see the problem on the street i see the problem on a daily basis and you mentioned julia hartley brewer we have to mention her once but she lives in her little perfect bubble in london and she doesn't see the problems that we see i would love her to come out for a day with me and see the poverty that i face on a daily basis and the people i have to see struggling on a daily basis so we'll that's the last of her we're not going to talk about her again we don't need to do we so you do excellent grassroots um, campaign work and literally get involved. I love your philosophy. It is just per- it sums me up as well. Enough talking. Let's just get on with it and get on with it. You do. But what you are doing, again, which is extremely important, on Thursday the 6th of June, you held your first ever conference in the West Midlands, wasn't it? And I think you had support it from is. the GMB union as well, didn't you? Tell me, tell me what the conference was all about. Because, I mean, the, again, it's just groundbreaking. It's absolutely brilliant. Well, the conference was the first conference to be held on period poverty in the West Midlands. And, and there's probably one or two conferences that have been held in the UK, but very few. So we're very proud of that. Uh, we've had massive support from various unions throughout uh, the UK. Um, a long, long list. GMB, one, one of them. Uh, Joe Morgan's been great. He's our read. I think he's the regional. Uh, you know something? I don't even know what the title is, but he, he knows and it's Joe Morgan, so he'll know. Regional officer, I think. Uh, but GMB, FBU, Unite Union, Unite Community have been wonderful in supporting us. Uh, many other unions as well. But we, we do have a lot of people who give us on a monthly basis. We call them the monthly gifters, and they donate every month. We have one-off donations from the general public. Um, we, we are supported really, really well, and we're so proud of the support that we get. But it's the only way... We, we try and interact with the public in as much as we have our, what we call our dignity boxes throughout the city of Stoke-on-Trent and surrounding areas, whereby the public can donate product. But that's a slow process. It's a good way of interacting and raising awareness. I like to get money in so I can buy product immediately and then get it distributed immediately. If anybody needs any help in our area or throughout Staffordshire in the West Midlands, they can c- contact me and I can get product to them within two days. They don't have to wait till we raise funds or till we raise product or donations. It's immediate. And this is so important. A woman cannot wait if she's ha- having a period and she has no money to buy the product with. She can't wait. She has to have it immediately. It's sort of, it's it's so important and it's it's the, really the ethos of our of our charity we we want to get out there and we want to deal with it immediately 
And that is a brilliant ethos. I mean, it, it sums up um, other groups that I support, like the fantastic um, homeless organisation Streets Kitchen, whose ethos is solidarity, yes. not charity. It's literally just getting exactly. out there and doing something about it now. I mean, th- th- that is the most vital thing. And all the links um, to what Linda was talking about and how you can contact her and contact Period Power will be in the show notes. Um, and it is vital to get support out there straight away when it's needed. I'm going to put you on the spot because, as always with these interviews, I tend to throw my script away. Um, what in terms of how we can start changing this nationally what do you think the one thing that can be done which would help to reduce and slow well quickly as possible really eradicate period poverty what's the one thing that you think can be done because in my mind do you know what in my mind I always find it absolutely peculiar and I, th- I, th- I think it's summed up best by if it was a man having to go through this there'd be no uh, issue at all um th- these products would be available on the nhs it, it's preposterous that it's not because it's a health related issue but w- it, what is the one step you would like to see that could immediately start to change things do you think okay uh, that's a very difficult question there's a few ways of sort of eradicating period poverty but the main way of eradicating period poverty is eradicating poverty. And to, we, get, we need to get people out of that poverty bracket, if you want to call it. We need to give people the benefits, that in, enough benefits they can live off properly, not to survive on. We need to take people out of flexible working conditions and zero-hour contracts. We need to get rid of universal credit. We need to treat people with respect. We need to give them the capacity to live their lives to the full. The fullest, is that correct? The fullest, the full, fullest. <laughs> but we, we've got to stop treating people as if they don't matter because every single person matters. Boom, I couldn't have summed it up better myself. To wrap this up, how can people get involved with what you do and what can people do right now, today, Sunday, the 9th of June, to support what you guys are doing? How can people get involved? Right, uh, firstly, maybe write to your MP. Tell them that you're not happy with the situation. Tell tell them that we need to take these people out of period poverty and out of poverty. Uh, if they want to get involved with us directly, go to our Facebook page, go to our website. Um, I'm assuming you'll put that onto your blog. Is I that will. nice? Yeah, fantastic. Um, but really, contact your local councillors and your local MPs. We've actually recently um, managed to get Stoke City Council to be the first period dignity council in England. We've supplied them with product to go into every single one of their uh, public toilets, and dis- ladies' toilets and disabled toilets throughout the city. So try and do that with your local council. That would be a first step. All of these things add up and build up, and eventually we will get there. And as you said... If a man had a period, we wouldn't have this discussion. We wouldn't be having this discussion. We would not even be talking about it, Linda. You're quite well. We're both right. It's and it's a damning indictment of the of the um, patriarchy and misogynistic society that we live in. But I'm so that's amazing what you've done with Stoke Council. Um, that just shows the power of literally not messing around and getting stuff done. It's an absolutely fantastic exactly. achievement that you've done. That all details to period power will be in the show notes. Linda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure talking to you. My kind of guest, love it, yeah. Linda from period power thank you thank you so much time for you guys to be uncaged because twitter chirps back 
Yes, it is that time of the week again. This is a chance for you to air your dirty news laundry in Twitter chirps back. I put out a tweet on the Thursday evening. You lot reply to it and I'll read the best comments out on air. And my, have I had a lot of comments this week, so I better get cracking. Yes, first off, working through them, this Nicola Jeffrey, the love of my life, the gorgeous Nicola Jeffrey. Hello, Nicola. She said, definitely the invisible MPs at this week's invisible disabilities debate. Yes, in case you missed it, there was a debate in Parliament on Wednesday after Prime Minister's question times about invisible disabilities. And quite, the MPs were invisible. 21 altogether attended. That was 3.23% of the total number of MPs in Parliament. Of course, within the country, there are over 20 million disabled people. And when you add the number of people living with fibro Alger and learning disabled people together that totals more than 4% so these MPs that turned up the number of them didn't even represent people with fibromyalgia and learning disabled people it was an absolutely appalling debate ending with the notion that somehow the best they can do is change the disabled sign to include something about invisible disabilities what a load of shit but ultimately it's always the way surrounding anything with, with regards to disability rights comes to the bottom of the pile Next up, it's my man behind the booth, sound engineer Gav Paws, getting involved with Twitter chirps back. He says, why is MSN constantly backing right-wingers like Farage and Boris and giving people like Kate Andrews airtime, yet constantly smearing Corbyn? We all know the answer to this, but it needs to be said out loud and repeated. Yes, indeed, Gav Paws, it does. Of course, because Corbyn is a threat to the establishment order. I mean, in my opinion, he's not radical revolutionary as such, but he does pose a serious concern to the system itself because there's many things he wants to change. So, of course, they're going to plump for Farage and Boris and the vile Kate Andrews from the Institute for Economic Affairs. They are desperately trying to maintain control and keep capitalism, which is in its death throes, going. The system is crashing down before our eyes and Corbyn represents a clear and present danger to that order. So yes, they're going to bash him like hell. Back to the TWP and Benefits News. Hello, Benefits News said, Tories play on words. McVile repeated she had never attacked sick and disabled people. Nope, she just inadvertently killed a load, allowing a continuation of deaths. And Debbie, that is Abrahams, asking ERHC to investigate deaths by DWP slash outsource slash letter. Yes, this is Esther McVeigh on Victoria Derbyshire. She had a horrendous time on that. The question was essentially posed to her about deaths relating to the DWP, and she denied there was a problem. Can you imagine that woman Prime Minister of our country? Good grief. And, of course, the news about Debbie Abrahams writing to the ERHC, asking them to investigate DWP-related deaths. This comes in the wake of the terrible case of Jodie Whiting taking her own life after being denied benefits. But, of course, she is not the only one. An Oxford University study found that 595 deaths were related to the work capability assessment where people had taken their own lives. There is a petition surrounding this. I will link it in the show notes. This is a hugely important issue. Too many people are dying on the watch of the Department for Work and Pensions. And on that note, Cora Blimey, hashtag NHS, hashtag SOS said as well, disabled and sick people get the blame for the crash, lack of productivity and austerity continuing while they cover up the deaths and quietly hand over 600 million to the colluding and profiteering perpetrators. That's some level of corruption employing corporate henchmen. Yes, this is of course the news that Atos and Maximus, the companies that do the fit for work assessments, have been having their contracts extended again by the Department for Work and Pensions, netting a lovely 600 million pounds bung. These corrupt, rancid companies whose assessors lie through their teeth repeatedly and put many sick and disabled people back into work when they should not be working are an absolute scourge on this country. But yet, of course, yes, the DWP is giving them more money because it quite suits them having loads of people who shouldn't be in work being pushed back into it. 
Yes, and I also have to give a nod to UK Labour today. Um, Ogham the Bold. Hello, Ogham the Bold. That's a delightful Twitter name. Ogham the Bold said, Biggest events? Land for the Many.UK report. Hope reforms, actions, changes are as big and proper bold as our land. 60 million acres. Um, yes, I do kind of understand your tweet. Basically, what you're saying is Labour produced this report, Land for the Many, which was a about changing the way that land is owned and governed in this country. Yet the media kind of ignored this, probably because so many of the media barons own huge amounts of land themselves, and Labour is hoping to shake this up. It's a fascinating report. I would link to it in the show notes. I suggest you read it. It did not get the coverage it deserves. Land for the many report from the Labour Party. And back to the DWP. It is a running theme this week. And Paula Peters, fantastic disabled rights activist. Hello, Paula. She said, Mind Charity and McVitie's are taking the biscuit. In partnership with one another, they'll get more than crumbs out of this. Yeah, it, oh, I mean, the stories just keep coming this week. This is absolutely staggering. This is McVitie's, yes, in partnership with Mind, the charity that colludes with the DWP at every opportunity. Let's talk over a free pack of McVitie's. I just have no words for that. I mean, also, apparently, they're advertising in the Metro as well, alongside the DWP, or also advertising in the Metro. Their universal credit um, um, uh, um, propaganda campaign is the best way of describing it. Don't forget there's a campaign at the minute, dump the Metro. But yes, McVitie's and Mind collaborating together. Could you think of anything worse? I couldn't think of much worse, because I really dislike Mind. And also, me and Nicola are on diet where we can't eat carbohydrates or sugars, so it's just a double whammy of rankness. And finally, something that actually happened in this thread, which was a bit odd, and loads of people commented on it. Nicola again said, um, Steve, can we also mention hashtag activist anomalies again on this week's Top Lung Cage, please? What the actual fuck? Yes, there was something peculiar going on with this Twitter thread, people not being able to see the replies to each other, but if you check out the hashtag, hashtag activist anomalies, you will see this has been going on a lot. Nearly two years ago, I wrote about the fact that for DPAC, Disabled People Against Cuts, activists were shadow banned for using the question time hashtag to promote a disability rights campaign. Twitter denied for ages that shadow banning exists that is where people can't see posts from the shadow banned people but then they had to admit to the US Congress last year yes they do actually do it and we are seeing constant anomalies with certain campaigns and certain organisations and certain chatter on Twitter of people not being able to see certain content hmm what's going on I think the PSYOP war against certain activists and certain radical campaigners is just moved into the digital age now beware the activist anomalies Otherwise, that is it for this week's Twitter Chirps Back. Thank you to everyone who got involved. There's loads of comments this week. Please, please, please keep them coming in. As always, I'll put out a tweet on Thursday night just before Question Time, and you can have your say. Question Time won't let you do that. And here's this week's banger in Revolutionary Bird Song. Regular listeners to this podcast will know that some of my favourite artists are invariably female. And trust when I say that my guest on this week's show is going to the very, 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 very top of that list. She is a powerhousing vocalist, a powerhousing songwriter, who is currently working with a powerhousing producer on her first full project. My, my sound engineer, DJ Pause, said that this producer only picks the toughest female artists, and this lady is no exception to that rule lyrically fire vocally sublime the kind of voice that gives you goosebumps when you listen to her i think 2019 is going to be the year she blows up and and i better just add as well she's currently on tour with a certain um ms lauren hill i'm extremely excited to have her on the podcast this has been a few months in the making actually but we finally have her here on top line cage it's a real treat it is the fantastic the sublime tara harrison tara thank you so much for coming on i'm very 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 excited 
Thank you for having me, Stephen. Wow, what an introduction! I'm flattered. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all true. It's all true. We'll, we'll get into that later. Um, it is a real treat to have you on. So, as I said in the introduction, you are you are currently on tour with a certain Miss Lauren Hill, and you've you've done backing for her for several years now. Actually, I mean, you're a singer songwriter yourself, and she is just such a. Oh, inspirational talent and such a diverse and such a clever and astute artist it must be so enriching for you to work with someone like that no absolutely i i went from listening and knowing the miseducation um of lauren hill inside and out to having to perform it you know on a different level and in so many different styles as well um it is certainly enriching to work with Ms. Hill. She is uh, creatively a genius in her own right. Lyrically um, has always been an inspiration for me because she really puts forth the message and she's been able to touch upon so many subjects. You know, when you listen to the miseducation of Lauren Hill, it's like nothing is like the other. She literally touches on a different subject on every song from music to love to, you know, the, the what's happening in these streets, you know. Um, so personally and professionally, it's been an amazing, amazing journey to be able to work with one of your, your idols, you know? I can imagine. Um, it, it'll be like me working with Mariah Carey. There we go. Yes. <laughs> but, I love Mariah Carey. Yeah. That's another story for another podcast anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> it must be amazing because, I mean, the miseducation of... of was such a groundbreaking album. I mean, I was I was sort of a late teenager when it came out, and it just blew my mind musically and lyrically. Um, what a what a stunning project it was. I mean, it must it must be absolutely awesome to work with her. But I have to say, you are pretty awesome in your own right. I mean, thank I, you. You are. We'll, we'll talk about the first track you released this year in a little while. But your musical kind of background, I did I did have a little giggle to myself because I, I was reading up on you. And your kind of musical journey, um, Tara, started when you were three, um, doing an impromptu little um, performance, if you like, for shoppers in Macy's while your mum's back was turned. Now, I mean, I think most people start singing in the shower, but you, you took a world-famous <laughs> department store and decided to start singing there. I mean, how, how have you developed as an artist? Because you, you started, obviously, singing, obviously, from a young age, and it progressed from there. What was your musical upbringing like, as it were? Well, I started, I think the Macy's moment was so epic just because <laughs> I think that's when they realized, like, I could totally sing. Um, and so that was when everyone kind of took notice that I wasn't just, like, hollering all the time. You know, okay, this child can actually sing, and she knows all the songs to this Whitney Houston, all the, excuse me, all the lyrics to this Whitney Houston song. Um, so I would say that I've been singing since I've been talking pretty much. Um, and I was really good, as you can see from the Macy's, as you just told from the Macy's moment, that I was really good at finding my stage, really, wherever it was. That kind of continued on from there. You know, I was never afraid to sing out loud if somebody told me to sing a song, or I was never afraid to step on somebody's two steps and just sing there, too, because it, it seemed like a stage, you know. Um, but from there... My parents were really, really amazing at honing my craft. You know, they were always supportive of it. And they never pushed me to do anything that I didn't want to do. But they always introduced really, really good environments for me to 
you know, make sure that I got to do what I really, really liked and to develop, you know, to really, really hone my craft, to develop my voice. Um, so, I mean, I did school plays, I did choirs, both in church and in school. You know, I did a few talent shows and probably when I did a talent show when I was 13, that's when it was like, okay, let's enter her into the professional world. You know, so at the age of 14, I actually signed a production deal, uh, with a really dope songwriter and producer. And we just kind of started the open mic circuit. And that's really, really how it started, you know. And from there, I just got to, uh, you know, basically get in an audition for the majors, you know, after cutting a couple demos and taking a few, you know, lessons, you know. The first track you dropped this year, which was PSA, um, Public Service Announcement. I mean, it was this brilliant track. It, it, it kind of had reggae sensibilities, but it also threw me back to the kind of dub-wise sound. But yet you made it extremely, extremely progressive with that. And it, it, it sounded very much sort of 21st century bang up to date. Um, and then this huge sort of conscious element with the lyrics as well. I mean, you're, you're a singer and a songwriter and the, the track was just fire. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, how that track as an example how did the how does the process of composing a track come about do you do you base it do you get a rhythm first do you have an idea for a theme for a song what's what's your creative process like as it were I'm, I'm always interested um it usually starts with uh something that i'm humming you know whether i have the track or not like i have like in my phone, my all of my notes are like me humming like some sort of melody, you know, and somehow I memorize them. And when I hear a track, a lot of times I'll just go to the phone and be like, oh, I think I have a melody for this, you know. And from there, it's really the track that does a lot of the inspiration, you know. Um, it's really the track that does a lot of the inspiration from the drums to even the way that it's set up. You know, I kind of listen to the track and that helps me set up how I'm going to write it, you know? So whether that means we're going to do verse hook, verse pre-hook hook, whether there's going to be a bridge included or whether it's important for an instrumental section to be there, you know, it, it instead it all starts with the track for me. Um, yeah. No, and it shows. I mean, and it, it, it's, it's such a great track, and it, it, it kind of blew up a fair bit over here, actually. It was on um, BBC One Extra's playlist. Yes, thank you. There, 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 and I heard, that was the first time I heard it was on um, Dave Rodigan's um, One Extra reggae show, and I was just like, who is this singer? Yeah, no, and I was just like, who is this? And, and here you are. And, of course, it was produced by legendary producer Rory Stone Love. Um, I mean, I, again, I was chatting to... Um, another female singer Zia Benjamin a few weeks ago who's also working with Rory um I mean he's just epic how is it working with him he's he's, he's fantastic Rory is is notably a leader in I mean arguably the most influential sound that came out of Jamaica Stone Love you know Stone Love movement and um I'm honored to work with someone who has toured the world as much as he has as a as, as a representative of Jamaica, specifically, you know, he shifted from selector now to producer, and he just kind of used all of that knowledge, all of his musical knowledge, all of his experience all over the world, and really, really puts it into these, these uh, tracks that he makes, this music that he makes. You know, um, that's what I really appreciate about him. Appreciate about him. 
And as you probably know, Rory specializes in dub. So, you know, that's that's definitely where uh, Black Dub, that's where it comes from. That's where this whole project that he and I, you know, ended up collaborating on comes from. Um, I'm not, I, it's, I'm not necessarily, it's, for me, it was about the message. And it could have, it, reggae music and this style in which Rory has is pretty much what I use to express this specific message. You know, for me, I'm, I'm very, very diverse in my genres. So, but for me, this specific project, reggae was the only way to say what I had to say in this one, you know? You've got finally a proper um, project coming out from Rory and yourself this year. Tell me all about that because I am extremely excited and I cannot wait to hear it. Oh, cool. Thank you. So, Rory Stone Love, Black, Black Dub Music presents uh, the Lady Lights an EP, and it is Lady Lights an EP. It's um, seven songs, all written by me and all produced by Rory, and it's basically just quality roots and you know dub dubwise tracks, you know, captured all in live instrumentation, and they really just narrate. Um, I think what I it's like I'm talking in the writing. I was pretty much talking to my 16-year-old self. Um, if I knew what I knew now, you know, if I knew then what I knew now, that's who I was talking to, you know. I was talking to my 16-year-old self like, girl, let me tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> and these are the things that you need to know. And, you know, so it's really, um, it, although it's, it's, it's uh, named after a song called Lady Lights Up, it really is dedicated to the ladies, you know, women and girls uh, alike. And it's fun, but it's serious at the same time. And I'm very straightforward in the way that I sing it. It deals with, um, you know, in Lady Lighta, it deals with the opposition that women face when because we smoke weed, you know. I know, God forbid, I mean. <laughs> PSA was... PSA was like my state of state of the union address. You know, I sang it a certain way. I sang it that way. It was almost like I was giving a speech to um, to an audience of women and girls, and was like, "Hear this! You know, let's all get on the same page about this really quickly." And whether you agreed with it or you didn't agree with it, you know, there was something in there that that made you feel away. And so that's what was important in that song for me. No, I, oh, wow, I can't wait for the full EP then. Do, do we have a release date for that yet, please? Not, we do not have a release date for that yet. Uh, coming very, very soon. Very <laughs> soon. I'm going to announce the date very soon. <laughs> Excellent. I'm very pleased to hear it. I can't wait for that because you are, I mean, as I said in the introduction, lyrically and vocally, you are powerhousing it's i mean psa was absolutely stunning and home away from home was gorgeous and i honestly can't wait to hear um lady lighter the ep whenever that is going to drop tara it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast and i cannot wait for lady lighter to come out for the minute tara harrison thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you so much for having me steven it's awesome you know when you hear a new artist for the first time and you think wow 
she or he is absolutely stunning and you just get a certain feeling about them well tara harrison lived up to all my expectations i truly think she's going to be huge she's such an amazing singer and and lyrically profound deep but on point and here is the track that we discussed in the show it is the one that was released at the start of this year called psa that's public service announcement this is absolutely fantastic it's tara harrison with psa that's when you thought you had me locked in a chamber my consciousness it breaks free from society you didn't realize this girl was a danger you will never take my rights away from me no resolution if there's no constitution no institution shall rule the powers that be sick and tired of your so-called solutions you will never take my And that's it. Series 2, Episode 6 of Top Lung Caged is done. I'd like to thank my fantastic guests this week, the brilliant Linda from Period Power. Follow them on Twitter. It's at Period Power 2. And the sensational Tara Harrison. Follow her on Twitter. It's at I am Tara Harrison. As always, behind the scenes, thank you to the love of my life, the gorgeous Nicola Jeffrey. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Nicola C. Jeffrey. My man behind the booth, sound engineer Gaff Pause. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Pause with Z Radio. And my in-house singer, it's Ray Star Music. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Ray underscore star 113. Thanks to the Gary for engaging me. I will see you next week. Uncaged.